This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And welcome back to an episode of the Cooler Jets podcast. We host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Oh, this one sucks, Michael. This is uh, this is pretty brutal. Obviously, Carl Lawson tearing his Achilles tendon out for the season and you know, for all the excitement and buzz about this this upcoming season with the new look Jets and Robert Sala and all these offseason acquisitions, this certainly takes a lot of wind out of the sails. But, you know, we'll try our best to put any sort of, I don't want to say positive spin, but maybe not, maybe that the sky isn't falling completely, given that the Jets aren't necessarily a Super Bowl contender, but there's no sugarcoating this that this absolutely blows. Um, so, Michael, my only question to you is, uh, is this franchise cursed? Yeah, it could be. I mean, just comparing it to the Mosley injury is what really makes me think that it could be the fact that we already went through this, the signing of even in a different way with Mosley, but just signing a big name defensive free agent who's supposed to change the fortune of the defense. And then you got to wait a year at least to see him play. But yeah, I mean, what, what is there to say about it? It, it sucks. These things happen in sports. They happen in life. Stuff just happens where there's not much you can do about it. Just random bad stuff. That's just how it works. But I mean, I'm going to do my best not to spin this in a positive way because it's definitely not positive, but try to explain why there are ways that the Jets can survive this and still get productivity out of the edge spot, still have a good defensive line and a good defense. Um, that's always what I try to do immediately. Just look to the future and see like, all right, this happened. How are we going to rebound? How are we going to try to get through this? And no, uh, I, I'm I not, think there I'm are not ways. done yet. I, I'm, I'm hey, not done grieving hey, yet. I, I go through the stages quickly. I, I think I'm a lot different than a lot of Jets um, Twitter people in that way, but you know, to each their own. I mean, look, Robert Sala was, you know, had said multiple times this offseason that, you know, we're waiting for the adversity. That's when we're going to find out the true character of this team, something along those lines. And it is important to remember that last year, Robert Sala, very similar situation. I mean, it happened against the Jets that Nick Bosa tore his ACL and was out for the season among, uh, you know, a bevy of other Niners injuries throughout the entire season. And his unit rallied and still finished top 10, was still a good unit, was carrying that Niners team. So, you know, I, there's no sugarcoating that Carl Lawson was easily the best pass rusher on this team. And I think with him and Quinnen and Bryce Huff and John Franklin Myers and the rest of the, the depth of the defensive line and Robert Sala that I thought that this team, I thought that defensive line had a chance to, to lead the league in sacks. I mean, that's how confident I was in this unit as in addition to having maybe a top 10 defense. Um, and, you know, obviously I wouldn't expect that to happen, but I also have to acknowledge that Robert Sala has come back from, 
arguably worse and had his units perform. And, and I do still think that this defensive line will be good because there was just already so much depth. Um, but man, this sucks. I mean, just absolutely sucks. I mean, you know, our, our thoughts go out to Carl Lawson, uh, and his recovery. It's not even just about the season. I'm just hoping that he can return to be the same player that he was because he was just having such an awesome training camp. Um, that this is just a brutal way. I mean, Mosley was a little bit of a slower burn because we got him off a preseason. We basically got a full game out of him. It was that he was going to come. He was only going to miss a few weeks and then he played that Patriots game. And then we shut him down. This one was, I mean, it was pretty much one tweet. And then like 30 seconds later, the cart was coming out and everybody knew that the season was probably going to be over. So this one happened so fast that I honestly really haven't fully processed the whole injury, but you know, look, I mean, it's football. This is the nature of the sport. I, I don't, I, I was saying it jokingly that the jets are cursed. Obviously that's a common narrative and you know, I'm sure some fans believe it, but it's part of the game. This stuff happens. And I will say, you know, knock on wood, the jets in recent years have been fairly, I don't want to say lucky, but they haven't faced too many long-term season ending off season injuries. A lot of it had, they've had, you know, injuries, but they're normally month long injuries or whatnot. This is, you know, the, the first one in a long time that I can recall just completely shutting down for, for an entire season. And it sucks because it's arguably the jets um, best player. Uh, I guess before we hop into how the jets can, you know, not to wallow in the sadness too much, but you know, before we hop into how, um, how they'll move forward, I guess, can you just, uh, you know, discuss what the Jets going to be missing from Carl Loss in the season? And I guess on a brighter note, what they'll be getting uh, next year uh, when he returns. It's so tough to talk about because we've been sitting here so excited to watch it for months. Now I'm going to sit here and talk about it. Something I know, I don't going to see this you, year. You know what? But. Screw that. Let's not do that. <laughs> I think Jets fans have had enough yeah, of torture. We've He's had a enough. great player. He's a great player and he was in store for a big season, but that'll have to be put on hold until 2022. And, you know, we'll the Jets will have another off season of building up the team. And I think by that season, they should be uh, in a position to contend for a playoff spot. So, you know, assuming he's healthy by then, uh, you know, he, he'll be coming into a, a better situation. And this situation is now one where it's maybe an opportunity for a younger player to try to fill these shoes, although they won't be able to do it entirely. You know, the first guy that comes to mind is a guy that we interviewed a year ago, a guy who had a great preseason game one, Bryce Huff, you know, and, and he seems like maybe the natural fit, but at this stage in his career, he's really only been a designated pass rusher. And, and I think, you know, with the Vinnie Curry injury, he stepped up to be the Jets situational third down pass rusher with this Carl Lawson injury. Do you think that he's going to be the guy that's going to be the every down Leo defensive end for this Robert Sala defense? Yeah, it definitely looks like with Carl Lawson out now that he's probably going to have to be a starter for them. It will be interesting to see how they divide it up because obviously you would expect with Lawson out that you're not just going to have someone step into his shoes and play the same mouth snaps. You're probably going to have a, a, have it be more rotation-based than it would have been with him. But uh, I, I would think because Lawson or Huff has been playing on the left side um, which is where Vinny Curry, or in the in the preseason game, he's playing the left side, and then in practices as well. Lawson was on the right side, Huff on the left. Um, and that's where JFM has been playing as, as well. So Ronald Blair has been the second team, or on the depth chart was listed as the second team right side edge rusher, and he's been practicing there. Um, so that would lead you to believe that Blair will be the main guy on the right side because Salah didn't do a ton of rotating between sides with the Niners. Some a lot of teams, you know, are very fluctuant, like the Jets the past few years. would There basically were no sides. Well, it was more so based on strength of the formation than left and right. 
but the Niners is generally left and right. And that's what the Jets have been doing this offseason. So um, will Blair step up and be that right side guy or with leaving Huff on the left side or Curry go on the right? We'll see how they divide it up. But I think we're going to see a lot of rotation. And in general, I think that Bryce Huff and Vinnie Curry will probably be the primary starters uh, on the edge. Uh, but Blair is going to be involved probably primarily on, on running downs. Uh, Kyle Phillips as well is probably going to be in there. But then Jabari Zuniga, a guy who maybe was even on the roster bubble before this happened, is probably a lock now. And the same maybe even goes for Hamilcar Rochette. So um, those two guys definitely benefit quite a bit as well. So uh, I, I think we're going to see a lot of rotation, but Huff is definitely the biggest, I think, uh, the guy is going to, see the biggest uptick in snaps because of this. I think he'll be a starter probably on the left side. We'll, we'll see how they go with the sides. They put Huff over on the right because the left has been his, uh, where he's been working. But uh, he's definitely going to get challenged in terms of uh, an uptick in snaps, which is last year he was primarily a situational passing downs guy. That seemed like it was going to be his role this year, that D forward role. But now he's going to have to handle a whole a full workload of snaps. And last year, his production was very good when he played a limited number of snaps. He was very efficient when he would play 15 pass rush snaps or less. But in the few games he played more than that, he wasn't too productive. He struggled with the bigger workload. And then also run defense was an issue for him last year. So this year off to show he can improve his run defense, that he can maintain his pass rush efficiency over a larger volume. And the Giants game is a great start in that because he played the majority of the game, had a sack in the first quarter, had a sack in the fourth quarter, obviously against backups the second time. But there's still a promising sign. Um, so that's definitely good for him. But but I'm excited to see him get this opportunity to really be fleshed out and get the opportunity to you know get plenty of playing time to show the full extent of his potential because I think he has real tools. His burst... You could see on that sack, the first quarter sack he got he got against the Giants. He's step for step with Lawson, maybe even a step ahead of him on his get off with that play. So he has really good burst. His double swipe, his ability to deflect the tackle's hands and get to the corner is really good. His bend is very, very smooth. He's able to flatten the corner and get inside to the quarterback. So I'm excited to see what he can do. And he's again, has to improve his complete game, the run defense, even against the giants, there was uh, an end around play that he let up kind of biting too hard in the faith. That's got to improve. And he has to show he has the, the conditioning, just the ability to be efficient for an entire game. But he right. showed last season, he the second best pass, pass rush win rate at PFF among rookie edge rushers um, behind Alex Highsmith. And so he's one of the better young rookie edge rushers last season. So that's something to build off of. Um, so I think he's a lot of legitimate tools. His production last year is promising. Uh, it's gonna, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does and how he is able to uh, step up and fill Lawson's shoes. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough pill to swallow, but the because the Jets weren't a Super Bowl contender this year and it was viewed as a rebuilding season – the optimist in me is like, all right, well, now we get to see Bryce Huff and, and Hamilcar Rashad and a lot of these young guys play more snaps. I mean, that doesn't really fill the void of, of what I'm feeling right now. But at the same time, it's like, all right, well, next man up philosophy. Um, I, I mean, and, and it's going to change a lot of the bottom of the depth chart, like you noted. I mean, I, I had Zuniga getting cut because he really hasn't been doing anything. Um, but now I think there's a pr pretty strong chance he'll make the team. It seems like Kyle Phillips could even make the team, like you're pointing out. 
Ronnie Blair, Hamilcar Rochette. I mean, that it's now has opened up the door a little bit to, you know, a week ago, the Jets can have to make a few tough cuts there. And now I think this is, you know, there's another spot open. So it'll be interesting to watch in these preseason games, the next two, you know, who can, who can fill out that defensive line uh, roster. I mean, it's next man up. I mean, the Jets certainly have a lot of depth and I still expect this to be a good defensive line. And Robert Sala has experience with this before. And I do think that a guy like Bryce Hoffer, maybe it's not, maybe somebody, it'll be somebody else. I think somebody will step up, but how does this affect your expectations for this Jets defensive line? And who do you ultimately think is the guy that can fully fill Carl Lawson's shoes? Obviously nobody can, but who do you think will be that leading edge rusher for the Jets? Well, I, I was putting some optimism out on Twitter, and I don't read the replies that much, but I, I saw a pretty big ratio there. So I don't know if being positive is illegal today or what, but I, I have some positivity I would like to put out. So let's talk about Vinny Curry. People forgot about right, this guy. Up. No, listen, no. I'm going to put all the positivity out there, all the reason to feel like that the Jets are going to be okay. They're not going to be okay. Let's, let's they're not, they're going to be much worse. Obviously I'm just trying to point out that there's still a lot of talent on this unit and it could still be a very good defensive line. And the edge group still has a lot of promise and can be a lot better than what the jets have had in recent years, even without Carl Lawson. So Vinny Curry has not, he didn't play in the preseason game. Obviously he hasn't been practicing, probably won't be back until week two, but I, I talked about it a lot. His pressure numbers, year by year are very, very, they're elite, like top 10% among edge rushers. So you get him back and you, you have a question mark with him too, because he's been doing that in a situational role, playing 40% half the snap. So if he has to play a little bit more now, then that's a question mark. And he maintained that, especially at his age, but year by year, he's been extremely efficient at producing pressure. He's not a big time playmaker. He doesn't get sacks. He doesn't really bend the corner, but he's, very consistent at squeezing the pocket. And that's going to create so many good opportunities for this interior D line to get sacks because he's such a good bull rusher squeezer of the pocket. And he is just great at it. His pressure numbers are elite every single year. So that's something worth taking into account. He's already a huge, pretty big upgrade over some of the players who would be playing his shoes over the past few years for this team. We talked about Bryce Huff and Ronald Blair in 2019 He's mainly known for his run defense, and rightfully so. But in 2019, before he got injured, he had his highest uh, pass rush grade at PFF of his career by a wide margin in the top, in the upper half among edge rushers. He was above average. So he was improving. I think there's some hope with this unit. And Zuniga, I'm, I'm the world's you know biggest Jabari Zuniga critic. I point out his terrible numbers all the time. But he was third-round pick last year. So... Let's give him some time, see what he can do. And Hamilcar Rashad had, had a, some flashes in the Giants game. So I think there's potential with this edge unit. Um, and not only is there potential, Vinny Curry gives you a high floor with what he's done in recent seasons. Uh, and I think Blair gives you that in the run game as well. I think he's probably their best edge setting defensive end. Him and Kyle Phillips are both very good run defenders on the edge. I think that's a big positive when you're going to be playing this attacking defense where guys are going to be, and we saw some glimpses of it in the giants game where guys are, you know, firing through one gap. Sometimes teams are going to call a draw on you and they're going to, they're going to pick up some rushing yards against that. So you are a little bit susceptible against the run with this scheme. And so to have 
a couple of good edge defend uh, run defenders on the edge is a positive that I think should be able to mitigate that. So I think there are some positives with this edge unit, but overall, I think before uh, when Lawson was healthy, I thought this was the top three defensive line overall, um, mainly because of the interior defensive line, which is a top three to five unit, but with the edge unit, obviously it's not, they don't have a second great guy, but with Lawson, one of the best pass rushers in the league, that I think could supplement the defensive interior and make this a top three unit overall. But without him, I still think it's a top 10, borderline top 10 unit overall, just because of how great the interior it's is. Optimistic. I don't think it's optimistic at all. If you, uh, act, if you actually rank every single unit in the league and look at all of their players, which I've actually done with their stats, I still think it is a top 10 unit. Quint, that interior is top three in the league. Quinn Williams, John Franklin Myers, Foley Fadakasi, Sheldon Rankins. I think I, the Steelers. No I think doubt. Steelers are better, and I think the Rams are better with Aaron Donald and their depth. I think that's it. But obviously, then it comes down to the edge unit. If they can be okay, like I think they can be, like league average. Huff takes a leap. Curry stays healthy and is the same player he has been. Blair stays healthy. And one other player steps up and isn't terrible. And it's just okay. If you could, if you can do that, if you can have average edge rushers, couple that have the top three interior unit, I think it's still borderline top 10, around 10th in the league. Right there at 10th, 9th, right. 10th. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that, yeah, the interior of this defensive line is still really, really great. They're going to need somebody on the edge to step up and, you know, collect a few sacks. It's just a bummer because that Leo position on this defensive line is so crucial, but as we said a few minutes ago, I mean, this is Robert Sullivan through a very similar situation last year and his, his team rallied. And this is, you know, probably about the outside of Zach Wilson suffering a season ending injury, knock on wood. This was a, probably the biggest, you know, test of adversity they could have faced. And I, you know, from that perspective, I'm, I'm interested to see how the team responds, you know, given that their best player just has gone down for the entire season. How does Robert Sala handle the situation? How do the players handle the situation? Um, I, I, I can see what you're saying. Um, you know, as far as being around 10, I still think it's a little optimistic, but I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that, you know, maybe it's just because the car loss and depression is, can you mention me. 10 defensive lines better than them? Not at the moment, Michael, you're the numbers guy. Let's be honest here. I just think that the loss I, of car loss is huge. And here's, I, I here's what I, here, here's okay. Here's what I want to say. I, I just feel like I, I like Bryce Huff. I'm really excited about him, but there's not really a proven guy on the edge that I'm, I'm confident can get sacks. I mean, John Franklin Myers counts, I guess, but he's also interior defensive lineman on third down. He's moving inside. So on those third down passing situations, like you said, they have Vinnie Curry and they have Bryce Huff, but let's be honest, Vinnie Curry is past his prime and Bryce Huff is an undrafted free agent who had two sacks last year. I'm not saying it can't be done, but you have to look at both sides of things. Um, I, I, I'm not saying it, it won't happen. I'm just saying it's, it's a glass half full approach that they will be around 10. Um, which, you know, you've been right many times, Michael. But outside of this bummer of news, I mean, there are a few other things I guess we should get to from these joint practices with the Packers. Obviously, they, they play the Packers on Saturday night. We'll talk about that. Um, but your overall thoughts from, from the two joint practices with the Packers, I mean, obviously, you know, if you read the, the reports from, from camp, it seemed like obviously the Packers were a team on the cusp of a Super Bowl and are a contending team. And the Jets are obviously a rebuilding team. Seemed like there were some good moments for both sides, um, but seemed like the Packers obviously got the better of them um, for, for two days. What were, what were some of your takeaways from these uh, two joint practices? 
Well, I think the biggest one that everyone was talking about was Makai Becton, who seemingly was giving up sacks left and right. And I mean, I, I guess my take with Makai Becton and his, his practices is that should you be a little bit concerned? Of course you should, because, you know, it would be a lot more ideal to see him playing well. That would be great. But I think at the same time, he did. He is only 22 years old. He's extremely young to be in his position, a left tackle already going into his second season as a starter. I put out a tweet a couple of days ago comparing him to some of the best left tackles in the league last year and where they were at 22. Uh, The majority of them weren't in the league, and a few of them were rookies. And as rookies, they weren't as good as Beckton was last year. So I think, you know, he already has the stuff that really matters, what he's doing in the real games. The, The floor he put last season was great, and he's very young. And I think we just saw him play in a real preseason game. Yes, it was against bad competition with the Giants playing their backup defense. Even their starting defense isn't as good competition as Lawson and Preston Smith, Zary Smith. Uh, it was mostly Preston Smith, but not as good competition. But still, he was out there and he looked perfectly healthy and he was mostly dominant in the couple of drives he was out there. Um, so that, I think, is a big part of it. If he went out in the Giants game and he was struggling, if he looked how he seemingly looks in these practices, then I think you'd have – a lot of consistency to where you're where it's like, okay, he's constantly struggling in every in practice and in the game, then that would be a problem. But the fact that he went out there and he looked good, I think is definitely promising, but at the same time, it's definitely worth um, taking into account the consistency at which he's been reportedly playing poorly is uh, not something that, that that should be ignored. I think at the same time as practice and whether someone's good or bad, you want to take it with a grain of salt when, when something's happening this consistently over, you know, weeks, it was, you know, every day with loss and now he goes to Green Bay and gets up, gets beat up pretty consistently over there. It's definitely something we're taking into account. So let's hope that it doesn't uh, carry over into the season. But I think it was promising to see him go out in the Giants game uh, and play well there. So for now, that well, uh, is our... Okay. Yeah, yeah, but that ahead. it's two series against the Giants backups. So I, I get what you're saying, but it's not like he just it, went it, it and played a full It is different, though. It's it's a real game. It's a real game. I, no doubt, it's but practice. it's two series. I mean, we were talking in this podcast a few months ago about Mekhi Becton being a top three offensive tackle. So if the bar is two series against the Giants backups, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think anybody should overreact to practice positive or negative. I, I, I won't make any conclusions about Mekhi Becton having a sophomore slump or anything like that until probably a month into the regular season. I'll give him a few weeks. Um, maybe it's a scheme thing. You know, people have brought up the, you know, the shape he's in. Uh, obviously you and I have no way of knowing any of that. Um, maybe it's, you know, he obviously had the foot injury plantar fasciitis isn't something that goes away that easily. And he was limping a few days ago. And, you know, Michael Floor even said in a press conference today that, you know, he's working through some things. So I have no doubt that Makai Becton is going to be a good player in this league, but I, I don't think you should, I, I, and you're not, I'm just saying, I don't think people should be sweeping it under the rug that, yeah, he's not having a good camp. Let's just be honest about it. I mean, if, if you were talking about him as a top three tackle, he wasn't having a good camp, but offensive line, offensive linemen generally uh, have it harder than defensive linemen in practice. And it is a game setting. It's different. Um, and like you said, I mean, his two series against the giants backups were relatively promising outside of uh, one run block. Um, I don't even know if that play was, was that it was, bad. It was, it was kind of yeah. like, you know, he, he knocked him outside with the run because Feeney allowed penetration. This was, there was one play where um, Ojalari 
beat Makai Becton for a run stuff. And there was a whole article about it, about how he talked about beating Makai Becton. And it really wasn't even that impressive. He knocked him outside and P Ryan or whoever it was just ran into him, which wasn't his fault because there was penetration from somewhere else. But, but yeah, I think, I think I agree with you. I'm, I'm not sweeping it under the rug. It's, it's worth taking into account. It's not ideal. And especially when your coach comes out and openly says, yeah, he's struggling. He's working through some things. Um, so it's worth taking into account. It's not promising, but I do think the fact that he had a solid performance against the Giants game is good, but we got two preseason games left. Let's see if right. he can do it against the Packers, see if he can do it against the Eagles, two teams that have good edge rushers, um, much better competition than the Giants if those teams play their starters. Um, so let's see if he can do it for two more games. If he can have a, two more clean preseason games, um, then I think that should be really promising regardless of what he does in the practice field, but it's definitely not ideal. Yeah, you know, you know what helps soften the uh, the loss of news is seeing Elijah Vera Tucker and Elijah Moore get back and playing with the softens. Hopefully, knock them with healthy. Uh, I, I do think, you know, although Becton has reportedly been getting beat around the edge, I do think it'll definitely help the performance of the pass protection to have Vera Tucker in there. There's been reports that the Jets brass think he, he might even be their best offensive lineman. Um, so I'd love to see him back in there. Obviously, run blocking between the two of them is going to be great. Um, but just to help shore up Zach's blindside because Dan Feeney, let's be honest, as much of an Islanders icon he, he might be, he was the worst offensive lineman that played last Saturday. Let's be honest about it. So I, the fact that he's still getting first team reps in Vera Tucker's absence is mildly concerning to me. Obviously Alex Lewis retired this week. I think they should be trying to give reps to Corey Levin or Tristan Hodge or David Moore or somebody else in this offensive line because Feeney is not good. And if Vera Tucker goes down, I do not feel good about Dan Feeney playing any meaningful snaps this year. Um, and if it's based off his performance in, in training camp in these preseason games, he probably deserves to be cut. So uh, as far as Becton goes, it's not great, but it's not at the point where I'm concerned about it yet. It's just something to monitor, not something to sweep under the rug. He's not having a good camp, but maybe, you know, it's still four weeks uh, until the regular season. Maybe he gets healthier. Maybe he gets in better shape. Maybe he adjusts more to the scheme. Maybe he works through whatever he's working through. You know, you never know if he's if it's a different scheme and they're changing up some of his technique. Who knows? Who knows exactly what he's quote unquote working through? Um, but there's still plenty of time uh, before that becomes a, a real issue. As we look ahead to Saturday night, obviously, you know, it's not as exciting of a prospect as it was a few days ago with this whole news today. But it's still another chance to see Zach Wilson getting live game reps. Um, what are you looking forward to seeing during this Packers game, uh, not just from Zach Wilson, but from the rest of the team? Well, I think obviously the number one guy who everyone's going to have their eyes on now is going to be Bryce Huff to see if he could fill those shoes of Carl Lawson and provide that pass rush threat that they're now going to be missing. Um, so I'm definitely going to have an eye on Huff. And, and also after the performance he had last week, I think we're all going to be interested to see if he could back it up and continue that momentum because even in training camp, he's played well. So definitely we'll have my eyes on him. Also the secondary, I think is something I'll be watching because they played a great game against the Giants across the board. Everyone was breaking up passes. And then even when they weren't breaking up passes, the coverage was good enough to where the ball wasn't coming their way. They allowed very little to the Giants wide receivers. So um, to see them go up against, you know, another opponent. And it's, it is the preseason, so the Packers are a good team, but probably still going to be playing their second, third string most of the game anyway. But um, to yeah, see And, and those... it's Kurt Benkert, not, not Aaron Rodgers or yeah. Jordan Love. Yeah, exactly. So you're not going to face good competition in the preseason, but to the Packers, you know, the Jets defensive backs, you know, day three rookies 
aren't intimidating competition. So go out there and outplay the people at your level. That's what they did last week. You know, severely, they dominated the Giants wide receivers. Um, so if they can keep doing that, that would be really promising uh, to see. Brandon Eccles, Jason Pinnock, Michael Carter second. Um, all these guys played well last week. So to see them continue to do that would be promising as well. So a lot of these young defenders, I think I'm going to continue to have my eyes on. The, the linebackers, Hampson Nazaraldine, Jamie and Sherwood had good debuts in which, you know, aside from the big plays, the fumble, the pass deflection, I thought they looked really comfortable out there and they made good decisions and showed good instincts to look like they belong at the position. Uh, and I think that's what's most important more so than the big plays. And those are just bonuses on top of it because they're in those good positions, making uh, good decisions as well. Um, that's how you put yourself in position to make big plays. They just come as you play the position the right way. So I think to continue watch those two guys and see how comfortable they look at linebacker is also going to be fun to watch. Then offensively, I think the offensive line, like you mentioned, I think you would like to see some more hope out of this depth chart. Alex Lewis is now gone. You know, with him having with him retiring, there is, is a spot that can be filled there at backup guard. Dan Feeney obviously really struggled in his first game. Um, so to see him play better would be promising. Although there's not too much to expect. He he's bad. He's kind of proven that over the years. There's not too much to expect, but to see someone else step up and provide some hope and security in terms of the backup guard position, whether it's Corey Levin or one of the many undrafted free agents like Tristan Hodge, um, that'd be great to see as well. So I think that's, and also the right tackle competition. It was an interesting start. It was kind of a mixed bag for both guys. Moses missed a couple blocks in the run game, but he is clean in pass protection. And then Fant came in. Not too much notable. He did give up one pressure, um, but he run blocked okay. So that competition is going to keep going on. Um, there, there's still a lot of really interesting battles to watch across the roster. Um, and then just to see Zach Wilson, if he can continue to build on what he did last week, just getting the ball out quickly, making good decisions, then I think we did, what he did a great job of was utilizing the pre-snap motion deployed by Michael Four to make good decisions and and that's a credit to the floor too how he was able to just use use motion in the right spots to help wilson identify man or zone and then use that pre-snap so then post-snap he knows exactly where to go what throw to make um he did a great job of that both LaFleur and wilson of maximizing that pre-snap motion so to continue to see the evolution of that week by week is going to be fun to watch because obviously you can't just do the same thing every single week and expect it to work or else every team would be doing it. Okay. Let's just motion read manner zone and go from there. It's not that easy or every single team would be doing it all the time. You have to be able to build on it and expand upon it. So you don't become predictable. And I think it's obviously you're not trying to win games right now, but I'm interested to see the evolution week by week of how they expand things for him, you know, give him a few more aggressive concepts where he can take deep shots. Um, maybe, give him some option plays where he can run a little bit because we saw he could do that at BYU. Um, so I'm interested. To see wait, wait, did you, did you just suggest that the Jets should run Zach Wilson in a preseason game after today? I did. Yeah. It's football. <laughs> no, it's they football. said no, under no circumstance, they should wrap him in bubble wrap until September. So don't play him. Nobody no, play. No, no, no. I obviously they should play. play him, but don't, but don't give him any designed runs. Save that for the regular season. We've had enough heartache. I mean that him getting injured is pretty much the only thing that can, 
I'm, I'm just spitballing, okay? You if, know, if Zach Wilson you think goes, I wrote down a list prior to this? I'm just saying what's yeah. coming into my mind. But but you're right. You're right. Okay, it's not a great suggestion. But like I, I, I agree with you. I think that the biggest storyline for me, I mean, obviously there's that Bryce Huff and who's going to step up the edge, but it's the Zach Wilson show for me. I mean, the, the entire season is the Zach Wilson show for me. It's it's similar to 2018 with Darnold, how every week was just our we're evaluating Sam Darnold. I think they're in a better situation you know, best case scenario, can they hover around 500 and, you know, make it kind of exciting towards the end of the season? Sure. But let's be honest, we're evaluating Zach Wilson from last week all the way until January. That's all this is about um, every single week. So for me, yeah. Can he continue to, to make the right decisions? Does he still look confident? Does he still look calm? Know where he's going to go with the football. Cause that was what really impressed me is like you said, he was die. His pre-snap diagnosis was great. And he, he displayed some good post-snap recognition as well. And, and because, you know, all the arm talent and out of pocket, off angle, arm angle stuff is there, but, but it's the, in the pocket going through progression stuff that you really like to see. And I think that's why he was arguably the most promising out of all the rookies. So you want to see him continue that. I think it's also extremely interesting because these two teams have practiced together for the last two days. And, you know, at this point, I, I think that in those two practices, I, I would imagine the Jets and Packers are both running some more regular season concepts because they're not going to play each other this season. Why not uh, run more of your non-vanilla plays? I would imagine in the preseason game, they'll probably scale it back to some of their vanilla plays. But look, the Packers know that the Jets love to run the football. They know exactly where they love to run the football, how they love to run the football. So they're certainly going to game plan in, in quotes for this game and with an emphasis on stopping the Jets run. Um, they, they have played against Zach Wilson for two straight days. So they have more Intel on the jets as the jets do on the Packers. So I think that's what makes this game fascinating to me, because like you said, Michael, it's not going to be as easy as it was against the giants backups. It's not going to just be a straight pitch and catch for him. He's going to be going up against the Packers starters and it's going to be a little bit harder. So I'm, I'm curious to see how he looks. Um, you know, if he makes mistakes, he makes mistakes, but, um, you know, that would be a, a, a big a big win for the Jets this week after uh, obviously the, the awful news today is if Zach Wilson go out there on Saturday, put together another nice performance, tell maybe give us a touchdown so we can really get excited about things. Um, before we get out of here, Michael, not a score prediction because it's preseason doesn't matter. I want one prediction about the game, one big prediction about the game that you think uh, will come place. It will come true on Saturday. Uh, it should be noted that you were a bit of a, Nostradamus predicting that Jonathan Marshall would have a sack. I mean, I guess it was supposed to be against Jonathan Harrison, but we'll just strike that from the record. So you're one for one so far this season. So what is your prediction for the Saturday's game? Hmm. Well, well, not I'm technically not one for one. I did say that Jeff Smith would get 70 yards. So, so well, let's, let's be, I, I remember you saying Vincent Smith, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, he didn't get 70 yards either, but you, you, we, the Jonathan Marshall thing is the only thing that matters. You throw a few out there. Maybe you can do the same this time. Throw a few out there. Let's see if any of them stick. All right. I think Bryce Huff will get another sack. I think we will see two interceptions from Jets defensive backs. I'm not going to single out position. Defensive backs, corners or safeties, two interceptions. And I think Zach Wilson will throw his first career touchdown. All right. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, is there uh, any prediction on who that touchdown will be to? Uh, let's go with Elijah Moore. Let's, let's go. Yeah. some. no, he's actually, you know what? He's not, I, that's what makes it even bolder. He's just going to run on the field. He's going <laughs> to touch it anyway. Um, no, but let's go with, let's go with Keelan Cole. I think Keelan Cole is a safe bet. I'll go Corey Davis in the red zone. I think, 
I think they give Zach Wilson about four drives. It's kind of what they said. They should give him three to four drives. Uh, I'm going to say he does have one turnover in one of those drives, but he also has a touchdown. So a little bit more of a mixed bag, but you see the higher highs and the lower lows from Zach Wilson Saturday. That's my prediction. Uh, I'm going to say, yeah, he does. He does orchestrate a nice drive where caps it off with a touchdown to Corey Davis. But I think that's going to do it for this episode. We'll be back on Monday recapping uh, what happened over the weekend as, as well as we inch closer to the, the regular season. Obviously we'll be able to preview the Eagles practice and, and whatnot, but We'll be back on Monday. You can follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter. Myself at Ben W. Blessington. Michael at Michael underscore Nania. Go to JetsAxFactor.com for the best place to go for Jets content. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Helps the podcast out tremendously. I think that's it, Michael. Any last words? Nope. Oh, short and sweet. I like it. Everybody, obviously today is not great, but put it in perspective. It's football. It happens. He'll be back next season. This is a evaluation year for the Jets regardless, so – um, Got to keep plugging away. Let's hope somebody, uh, maybe a young guy like Bryce Huff or, or Hamilcar Rochette can step up and try to fill the void. So everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy the Jets game on Saturday. Go Jets.